From Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refutes evolution, and gives you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. Some people object to a literal creation week by claiming that the seventh day on which God rested was not an ordinary day. For example, Dr. Hugh Ross in Creation and Time, page 49, wrote, According to this passage, Hebrews 4, 4-11, the seventh day of creation week carries through the centuries. The seventh day of Genesis 1 and 2 represents a minimum of several thousand years and a maximum that is open-ended, but finite. It seems reasonable to conclude then, given the parallelism of the Genesis creation account, that the first six days may also have been long time periods. This might seem reasonable to some, especially those like Dr. Hugh Ross who want to fit billions of years of death into the creation week, but it does not agree with the scriptural evidence for several reasons. First, God's present rest does not logically imply a long seventh day. Let's listen to what Hebrews 4, 3-4 really says. For we who have believed do enter the rest, as he said, I have sworn in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Hebrews 4, 1-11 teaches that the seventh day of the creation week was a parallel to the spiritual rest found through Christ alone. Only those who have believed in Christ enter this rest. If the Bible was speaking of an actual continuation of the seventh day of rest, then all would already be in this rest. The rest referred to is obviously a spiritual rest. Verse 3 teaches that God has been resting since the creation of the world, but the parallel would make no sense unless the seventh day was an ordinary day. Hebrews never says that the seventh day of creation week is continuing to the present. It merely says that God's rest is continuing. Could God not have rested on a real 24-hour day in the past and then continued to rest up until the present? Well, if someone says on Monday that he rested on Saturday and is still resting, it in no way implies that Saturday lasted until Monday. So the second reason is that God's rest on the seventh day is always spoken of in the past tense. An important point here is that the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means rest or cease in Genesis 2-3, is in the perfect form, meaning action finished in the past. Certainly God is still resting from the work of creation because this has finished. But scripture never says that God is resting on the seventh day. Rather, scripture teaches that God's seventh day of rest is completed. This is contrary to what we would expect if the seventh day were still continuing. Therefore, the seventh day can only be understood as a normal earth rotation day in history in which God ceased his creative work. So a third point here is it makes no sense of Exodus 20 verses 9 through 11, which reads, Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. The six days of creation and day of rest are exactly the same as those of the command to work six ordinary days and rest on the seventh. And the passage is certainly not teaching an eternal weekend. 
And fourthly, and most importantly, it contradicts the plain meaning of Scripture. An interpretation of Scripture which contradicts other statements of Scripture must be wrong. The rest of Scripture points clearly to a six-day creation. For example, the Hebrew word yom, which means day, already refers to an ordinary day when associated with a number or the words evening or morning. And there were plenty of other words that God could have used if he wanted to teach long periods of time, yet he did not use them. But the biggest problem for long ages is their millions of years of death, disease, and pain before man's fall. In 1 Corinthians 15.26, death is called the last enemy, so it could not have been a part of God's very good creation as it is described in Genesis 1.31. The death brought in by Adam's sin is clearly physical as well as spiritual. Genesis 3.19 reads, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And 1 Corinthians 15, 21-22 says, For as by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. It's no wonder that James Barr, then Regis Professor of Hebrew at Oxford University wrote, Probably, so far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writers of Genesis 1-11 through intended to convey to the readers the ideas that creation took place in a series of six days which were the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience. Barr did not believe the Genesis account to be true history, but does not seek to evade what the Hebrew words clearly teach. Now, many have been misled into thinking that the Genesis account of creation is not actual history, but is just some sort of theological argument. If you're stuck on the authenticity of Genesis history or know someone who is, an insightful quick read is 15 reasons to take Genesis as history. This small book succinctly shows why those who believe in the inspiration of Scripture have no intellectually honest choice but to take Genesis as straightforward literal events, just as Jesus did. This quick read powerfully challenges one of the major problems in the church today that affects the authority of the entire Bible. Read it and give it to your pastor, or particularly someone contemplating theological training. It could save them from getting derailed by some of the misleading arguments common in theological academia. 15 Reasons to Take Genesis as History is available from the store at creation.com. The Creation Article podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell, and produced out of the U.S. studio of Creation Ministries International. Learn more at creation.com. Our speakers are teaching in churches once again. Get in touch if you want to arrange to have one of our expert creationist speakers visit your church. Our writers and scientists host a really cool talk show called creation.com talk, which you can find right here in your podcast app or on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to help us, become a monthly supporter making a donation at creation.com donate. You can also help out by telling your friends and family to check out Creation Magazine. Be sure to follow Creation Ministries International on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to our free e-newsletter. From everyone at creation.com, thanks for listening.